Welcome back to all of our listeners once again. How great it is to be with you each day here on Search the Scriptures. We're really blessed to be able to turn on the radio and listen to God's Word being taught openly, in depth, as fully as possible. You know, it's not that way everywhere. It just isn't. It's interesting. I was talking to a fella just recently who is involved in broadcasting God's Word, teaching God's Word over shortwave radio. Now, we think about the Internet. And in this country, because the Internet is everywhere and virtually everybody has access to it, we probably think the Internet is everywhere throughout the world, at least almost everywhere. That Almost everybody has some kind of access to it. And so all the stuff that goes out on the Internet is accessible to them. And so if somebody puts some good teaching from God's Word on the Internet that people in all kinds of places, even China and Russia and, and Africa and India and all over the world, they can have access to it. But it's not that way. He was showing us a map of the world and everywhere the Internet was, was lighted up in bright color. Everywhere the Internet was not accessible was darkness. Most of the world, the vast majority of the globe, is in darkness when it comes to the Internet. Think about that. You see, most people in the world do not have access to the Internet. That's amazing to me. Really kind of blew me away. I thought it was just pretty much everywhere, but it's not. In most of the world, it is not there. Now, something else that he brought out was that in the United States, we're used to AM, FM radio. But when you leave the United States and probably parts of Western Europe, you leave AM, FM radio. Now, again, that's mind-boggling to me. I would assume AM, FM radio, radio as we understand it, is virtually everywhere, accessible to everybody. Not so. He said, once you leave the United States and possibly parts of Western Europe, he says, it's not AM FM radio anymore. Everybody else has shortwave radio. Shortwave radio. I would have a difficult time even recognizing what a shortwave radio looks like. I have an idea. I've seen pictures of them. But shortwave radio, you mean you can't turn on this station or another station that would be so accessible in this country or any of the hundreds if not thousands of stations that are available all over the United States. You can't find that kind of radio programming in most parts of the world? No, you cannot. Shortwave radio. Now there's an advantage of shortwave radio and that is that the Radio waves of shortwave bounce off the atmosphere and off the ocean's surface. And so as a result of that, the signals can go around most of the globe. Now that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me that a station in Alaska can send programming 
virtually around the world. And then if you have another station in the southern hemisphere, more in the southern hemisphere, then it can send signals virtually around the world. And you put those two stations together, the entire globe is covered. That's amazing to me. With signals bouncing off the atmosphere and the water surface of the oceans. Just incredible. But now, in order to tap into that programming, you have to have shortwave radios. Well, see, we just take so much for granted in this country, don't we? You can go buy a radio in this country for probably 5 or $10. You can turn it on. You can pick up stations all over your area. You don't like this station, you turn to another one. You don't like that one, you turn to another one. There's so many there, myriads of them. How blessed we are in this country to be able to turn on this radio station, this program, and listen to God's Word every day, five days a week. How blessed we are. Now, we take it for granted, though, don't we? How much do you suppose that billions of people in other parts of the world who do not have this kind of access would love to be able to do what we take for granted every day? Oh, we need to so appreciate and be thankful for the opportunity to study God's Word so readily. That's what we try to get across here in Search the Scriptures. We teach God's Word in depth and in detail. We try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for our everyday lives. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to teach you about God. We want to teach you His Word in depth. We want to help you grow your faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. And we want to be with you in heaven, with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. We want to help you see the richness, the encouragement, the victory that is communicated to us through the Bible. At the end of the program today, we'll give you the information, how you can contact us, have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, Write that down, and we'd love to send you a free Bible study. It's free. We'll take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs here in Search the Scriptures, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. We want to help you be with God for all of eternity. We're talking about faithfulness in this particular series of studies. Faithfulness is the open demonstration of our faith, our belief in God. As we consistently live by the teachings of God's word, which is described in the scriptures as the faith. So as we learn God's word, our faith develops. And as we live by those teachings of God's word, that is our faithfulness lived before God. The devil is our enemy. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 tells us that he's like a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. 
It identifies him as our adversary, our enemy. He wants to bring us down spiritually. He wants to pull us away from God. He wants to chip away at and, if possible, destroy our faithfulness to God. Now, we're talking about seven attacks that the devil uses on our faithfulness. The first one is pretty obvious, and I think that's probably the one that most people would quickly point to and say, well, I know temptation. The devil tempts us to sin. He tries to make sin look appealing and attractive. So he puts all kinds of temptations out there to try to lure us into sin. We need to be on guard against those temptations. Temptation is exactly what the devil used against Eve and Adam in the garden in luring them to disobey God and eat the forbidden fruit that God told them, do not eat, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Temptation. Worldliness is another method of attack the devil uses against our faithfulness. Trying to make worldly living look appealing. And so worldliness, things of this world, make them look good and try to lead us in a direction and in a mindset that ultimately the ways of this world become more important to us than the ways of God. But now John in 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 tells us that living a worldly life pulls us away from God, and that ultimately, verse 17 says, this world is coming to an end. And so if worldliness, the ways of this world, is the primary focus of our lives, then we're ultimately heading down the road to destruction. Moral lapse or immorality is another attack upon our faithfulness. Now certainly that's connected with temptation, but if the devil could just get us to become so pulled in the direction of some kind of moral lapse for just a short time even, well, he's led us away from God. Now, we read David's assessment of the matter in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, when he talked about how when he was living in sin, or at least trying to cover up his sin, trying to hide it, that, oh, it was working on him. It was, it was hurting him. It was, it was really destroying him. But when he finally came to his senses and admitted it, confessed it before God, repented of his sins and sought God's forgiveness, oh, then how his life was so much better. And that's the way it is with so many people today. They're trying to cover up sin in their lives. And you know, so many of them, it's a fruitless attempt. People around them know the way they're living, but they try to cover it up. They try to make excuses for it. And it doesn't work most of the time. Now they may be able to pull the wool over some people's eyes, but they can't pull the wool over everybody's eyes all of the time. A moral lapse David fell into a moral lapse himself, and perhaps that was the impetus for his writing Psalm 32. 
But remember when he looked out across the way one evening and saw Bathsheba across the way on a rooftop bathing and he lusted after her? Now that was a moral lapse. And then he sent for her. The moral lapse was developing. And then he committed adultery with her. Oh, it got deeper, didn't it? And then he tried to cover it up. Tried to cover it up by bringing her husband home from the battlefield. Trying to get him drunk. Trying to get him to go into his wife and have relations with her so it would seem as though if any child was born, he would think it was his. But her husband did not go along. He felt like he did not have a right to go in and be with his wife while his fellow soldiers were on the battlefield. And so ultimately David gave up trying to use him to cover up his sin. And he just had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed in battle. And in that way, then he took Bathsheba as his own wife and he thought that would cover up the sin. But it did not. God was always watching. God knew exactly what was going on. And David was punished for his sin. Now he repented of that, came back to God. But you see, the moral lapse. If he had not repented, if he had not come back to God, if he had not sought forgiveness, then he could have been lost for all of eternity. Doubt is another one that we talked about Toward the close of last time's pro, of last program, doubt. The devil doesn't have to convince people that there is no God. All he has to do is get people to doubt. I wonder, could it be? Is God really there? Just doubt. He doesn't have to get people to completely dis, disbelieve in the Bible. Can he just plant doubts in their mind? Can we really accept everything that the Bible says as being God's very word? Well, that's what Paul says it is in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The literal translation of that from the Greek is all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God's very word. If the devil can plant doubts and say, well, you know, it's been so long since the Bible was written down. Are we sure that it's really all God's word? Are we sure that it's really all there? Doubt. Another attack by the devil upon our faithfulness. And you see, if we doubt enough, then we can ultimately have our faith weakened more and more. And we could eventually turn away from God. Well, another attack that he uses is trying to convince us that we don't really need the church. <laughs> I don't know how many people have told me things along the line that I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Boy, the devil has worked a number on them. There is no way that you can be truly spiritual as far as being spiritual to the point of being faithful to God without being religious. Now, if you think being religious is some kind of strange, outdated, old-fashioned term and concept, then you're sadly mistaken. Remember that Jesus himself said to the apostles, 
Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell or the powers of death shall not prevail against it or shall not keep it from coming to be. With that kind of emphatic language, do you think the church is not important? Oh, but the devil's pretty good at this. Just, if you're going to drive to the church building on Sunday morning to worship with the church, look around you as you go along. How many people do you see out mowing their grass? How many people do you see out cutting flowers? If you drive by a park, how many people do you see out there playing baseball or basketball? How many people do you see just walking along in attire that you know they're not dressed to go to the church service? How many people do you see or you know are still at home sleeping a little late or reading the newspaper instead of worshiping God with his people? In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 23, the Hebrews writer says, let us hold fast, in other words, firmly, steadfastly, with purpose, the confession of our hope without wavering. Now that's our faith, our commitment to God, our belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and God's Son. He's writing to people who have put him on in baptism for the remission of their sins. Then he goes on and says, for he, is pro- he who promised is faithful. So let us hold fast to our faith and our faithfulness. And then he goes on in verse 24 and says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So I need to be thinking about my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need to be thinking about how important it is for me to be encouraging to them and to help them grow in their faith And I also need to realize that I need their strength spiritually to strengthen me in my faith. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And what is the answer to both of these goals? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I need to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ as the church meets together to worship God and study his word because I need to grow in my faith. I need to be stronger in my faith. And I need to guard against being, becoming weaker in my faith. And I need to strengthen my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need them to strengthen me. And I can't do that. And they can't do that if we're not together. And where is the most logical and the most productive way for us, or place for us to be together as we come together to worship God as the church? But you see, the devil says, ah, you don't need that. And you certainly don't need it every Sunday. And you certainly don't need it multiple times during the week every week. Nah, you're fine. Just believe in God and that's enough. No, that's not enough. God sent his son to establish the church upon this earth for a purpose. And in fact, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, the text tells us that the Lord adds to the church day by day those who are coming to salvation. 
Huh. Hebrew, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Colossians 1 and verse 24 tell us that the church is the body of Christ. Do you think we don't need the body of Christ? Do you, don't, do you think we don't need to be a part of it? It is the church. And when we become one with Christ, he adds us to his church, his body. And as part of that body, we need to meet with the rest of the body to study God's word, to worship God, to remember our Lord upon the first day of the week as we partake of the Lord's Supper, commemorating and memorializing his death on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. We need to not listen to the devil when he says the church is not important. You don't need to worship with the church. And you certainly don't need to worship with the church all the time. That is an attack by the devil upon our faith, upon our faithfulness. And we need to be on guard and not be fooled by our gravest of all enemies. We need to be there with the church. So temptation, yes, that's one of his attacks. Worldliness, trying to make the worldly living look good, that's another line of attack against our faithfulness. A moral lapse, saying, you know, just give in a little bit, have a little fun. Another one of his attacks. Doubt, planting doubt in our minds. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Missing, neglecting worship with the church, neglecting those Bible classes that we can take part in as the church meets to worship God and study his word, a careless attitude and approach and a purposeful forsaking of being with the church as it meets to worship God. Oh, that leads to spiritual callousness and spiritual weakness. And it is another ploy by the devil to attack our faithfulness. We'll look at some more as we continue this study. Now, in just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information. Ask for that free Bible study. It can change your life for all of eternity. Ask for the copy of today's program on CD. Listen to it again. Again, all free. We'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.